You're listening to a Miscellany News production. Welcome to the More Than Miscellaneous podcast. I'm Alex Barnard, the Miscellany News' audio editor. This week, Editor-in-Chief Jessica Moss and Managing Editor Frankie Knuckles sit down with Drew Solander, Editor-in-Chief for Vassar Insider, to discuss their predictions for Super Tuesday. So why don't we start with introducing ourselves? I'm Jessica. I'm the editor-in-chief. I'm Andrew Sonder. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Vassar Insider. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is our first time on, on uh, WVKR. So the Vassar Insider is a, um, a fully digital, um, independent political publication. And I'm Frankie. I am the managing editor of the MISC. And today we're going to be talking about Super Tuesday 2020, which is taking place today, March 3rd. And it's going to play a key role in whittling down the democratic field as more than one third of the delegates are up for grabs on this day. There are several contenders, including the former vice president, Joe Biden, and multi-billionaire Michael Bloomberg, um, the former of whom has a high chance of winning southern states and the latter of whom has staked his candidacy on performing well here. Um, And then there's also Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts, who runs the risk of losing her home state to her fellow progressive Bernie Sanders, which would spell the end of her campaign. Um, Meanwhile, we have Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar and Tom Steyer. They've suspended their campaigns in the wake of Biden's decisive South Carolina win, in which he received 48 percent of the vote and won every county. But we're going to kind of dig in a little bit deeper, answering questions like, what is Super Tuesday? Why does it matter? Um, And what are the predictions here at Vassar? And what impact could those predictions have on the broader um, Democratic race? So we're here with Vassar Insider and MISC executives to chat about the dropouts, the merits of Super Tuesday, and our predictions. So why don't we um, begin by talking a little bit about the moderate dropouts that we opened up chatting about here? Where where to begin? Um, So I think... People were both surprised and, and deeply unsurprised by mm-hmm. the results in South Carolina. Um, yeah. Biden's decisive victory was perhaps a little bit more of a thrashing than uh, <laughs> than we bargained for. And we saw both Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar drop out and endorse Biden, presumably hoping to coalesce the moderate constituency around Biden, which, you know, I'll, I'll start with the opining and say that that's a little sketchy to me because I feel like people that flocked to Buttigieg and Klobuchar did so Mm. for a reason. And that's because most likely they didn't agree with Biden's Mm. candidacy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, people often pitch politics as simply a clash of ideologies and policies. But, um, you know, a lot of people looked at Buttigieg and Klobuchar and saw essentially a carbon copy of Joe Biden, Mm -hmm. but with the very important aspect that a, they bring unprecedented diversity uh, to the White House. You know, we've never had a female president. And with Pete Buttigieg, we've never had an openly gay president, mm-hmm. whereas Joe Biden really doesn't bring anything new to the table in that respect. Um, but then there's also the fact that Joe Biden on a personal level has many um, pretty glaring faults. Mm-hmm. Um, there are his, you know, there's his past um, opposition to busing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's made many controversial statements as a presidential candidate, he's faltered a number of times in very major ways, including 
uh, falsifying his college record, mm-hmm. um, plagiarizing speeches, and he's never really been a major factor in presidential politics before. And in that way, he's kind of untested. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other, the big factor, obviously, is age. Mm-hmm. Um, Biden is seventy-seven years old, whereas Buttigieg is uh, thirty-eight, mm-hmm. um, and Klobuchar, I believe, is fifty-six. Yeah. Um, so when you look at Biden and Klobuchar and Buttigieg, what you see is, you know, here's everything Joe Biden is advocating essentially on a broad level, but in millennial form and in Gen X form Mm -hmm. and with diversity and sort of without, I mean, Klobuchar and Buttigieg certainly have their their faults as well, but Joe Biden has basically a 40-year political life, um, which has been marred by just a very, very spotty record on Mm -hmm. a personal level. Mm -hmm. Definitely not the strongest speaker either in the debates, um, which doesn't bode well. for somebody in the executive office. Speaking of septuagenarians, I think there's another on our mind as we move into Super Tuesday. Uh, I, I saw some predictions from before the South Carolina primaries that had Bernie sweeping Super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. People are now questioning whether Biden has enough momentum to totally unseat that. Uh, certain states look like they're going to go to Bernie, um, yeah. but the margins will be important in the awarding of delegates and The newfangled prediction seems to be that nobody will get a majority of delegates for the convention. I think, um, so yesterday was just absolutely insane. And I was, I was like, it's company, I was on a date while this was happening. So I had to keep being rude and checking my phone and seeing like, oh my God, like literally within a three hour period, Pete Buttigieg, uh, like officially endorsing Joe Biden, Klobuchar dropping out, all this stuff happening, like, um, the three hour date. Yeah. Um, and, and yes, yesterday just, and in that context, it just felt particularly crazy to me. It was just mm-hmm. so much happening and, and I don't, and you know, oftentimes the press can get lost in sort of like, um, the, the sort of explosiveness of everything, mm-hmm. but it cannot be understated how much of a sea change the last basically four or five days have been in this campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you said about Bernie leading in two, in super Tuesday States, the primary reason for that, it looks like, was basically because you had four moderate candidates and two progressive candidates. Mm-hmm. And Bernie had pretty surprising leads. He had a sizable lead in Texas. He, uh, some polls still have him there. Um, Texas is a state that went for Hillary Clinton in 2016 by a very wide margin in the primary. Um, you know, he had a slight lead in Virginia, also a big Hillary Clinton state. Mm-hmm. I believe he had a slight lead in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and these were from polls that you wouldn't expect to show Bernie Sanders doing well. So everybody took a step back and said, wow, like he's sort of running the table. But what you miss there is that, you know, his margins haven't changed between then and now. The only thing that's happening is Joe Biden seems to be consolidating a disproportionate amount of those moderate voters who came over from from Buttigieg and Klobuchar, whereas you still, on the progressive side, have the exact same race that you had a week ago, which is Bernie as, as you know, a 25, 30%, and then Warren taking about mm. 10% to, like, the low to mid-teens. Um, so there's a lot of anger on the Bernie side right now saying Warren needs to drop out because she's just serving as a spoiler uh, to Joe Biden. And, you know, there's people on the Warren side who say that's sexist, who say she would be a better president for X, Y, Z reasons. Mm-hmm. And you can parse those things out. But at the end of the day, if you're a steadfast Bernie supporter or really just a progressive who doesn't want to see Joe Biden be the nominee, the answer that you're going to come back to from a data-driven sense is, you know, Bernie Sanders' best chance in Super Juice Day is if, well, I mean, I want to caveat this with 
so many votes have already been cast in California and a lot of these states due to early mm-hmm. voting. So to some extent, the, the, the result has already been decided to a great extent. Like my sister's in Missouri and she told me she voted for Amy Klobuchar the day before she dropped, like the day oh. before she dropped out. Um, so like we need to like weight everything we say with basically what happens today in terms of the voting itself is not totally impactful of what the result is. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is if, if Elizabeth Warren basically yesterday, but even just right now said, I'm dropping out, endorsing Bernie and everybody who is planning on voting for me should vote for Bernie. Mm-hmm. That would be the thing that would potentially bring him back to the place he was before Biden sort of consolidated those establishment votes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to kind of respond to one thread of that, like related to early voting, um, at this point we've been in the primary race for so long that I feel like a lot of people are getting disillusioned because the candidate that they have been hoping for is dropping out. And now as we have kind of decider primary days, like Super Tuesday, people are trying to reckon with like, okay, who do I go to now? And I guess what I'm looking for a read on the room about is whether you think candidates dropping out and just telling their base to go to another candidate is going to be an effective strategy. I mean, I think it's, sort of um, fostered a greater division within the Democratic Party because now, you know, if Warren were to throw her support behind Bernie, which I suspect she probably won't, um, I think her goal here is, you know, she she raised $29 million in February, so um, she probably still wouldn't drop out even if she um, didn't get third place um, in terms of the number of delegates in this race. And I think that if she were to throw her support behind um, Bernie, we would just have a further division of of the party. Um, And I could also imagine that, you know, if Bernie does get the nomination, um, which I know that a lot of people at Vassar, myself included, are hopeful for, there could be a result of that that would be galvanizing the other side to to really go out and vote against Bernie because um, they're further incited against those progressive ideas. Yeah, and also the consequences for down-ballot um, yeah. candidates running for local office. Right. As, for instance, Buttigieg's campaign is very much focused the energy on looking to the local elections, which mm-hmm. is like kind of his shtick as a mayor. That local government is just as important and just as valuable. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know a lot of down-ticket Democrats would feel threatened by Bernie as a party leader mm-hmm. um, because it hurts their electability chances. I think the issue with... with Bernie as the leader of the party is that there's obviously the huge argument about whether or not Bernie can beat Trump. And I think you need to put that aside for a second. And in terms of down ballot races, it's not about whether Bernie's a drag on the ticket. It's more about putting a lot of Democrats in a lot of places in a position where they, you know, they have to when Hillary Clinton was the nominee, you didn't have have a dilemma where people who don't agree with her on politics, people to the left of her, more Bernie-aligned elected officials, would sort of be hurting their political position by backing her wholeheartedly in the general election because she's much closer to their politics than Donald Trump is. And it just seems like a moral imperative to say, always, like, obviously vote for the Democrat instead of Donald Trump, like, obviously in the general election. But for moderate Democrats, it's a little different because they're in a position where their constituencies contain enough Republicans to unseat them. Mm -hmm. And so they're being forced to now decide whether they back a candidate who may endorse policies, in Bernie Sanders' case, that turn off Republicans and independent voters so much in their districts that um, it, it ends up very much hurting their political position. And so what I think you'll see is, you know, I, I don't think it's – people make politics personal. I don't think it is personal. I think it's more self-interested. You'll see a lot of moderate elected officials who have endorsed Biden or Bloomberg or whatever just not really 
endorse Bernie and just sort of sit out the general election, not because they necessarily don't like him or even disagree with what he's saying, but simply because, you know, the data shows that it's not in their best political interest in terms of reelection to have a picture of them taken with Bernie that the Republicans can use for an attack ad. You mentioned Bloomberg. I think we should spend our last <laughs> few minutes uh, just kind of if we'd like to talk about Bloomberg's general strategy, because I believe today is the first time he'll be on ballots. Which is, you know, you'd be a little surprised about that if you didn't know about the first election results, because he's played such a major part in this primary basically mm-hmm. throughout February. And he's always been sort of looming in, this ba- in the background, like, here comes Bloomberg. You know? <laughs> I think ultimately Bloomberg was always going to rely on a certain amount of luck mm-hmm. and the hope that Sanders would win in South Carolina. Um, I mean, the, the early primaries are basically an expectations game. Um, it's not about winning the most delegates. Pete Buttigieg came out of Iowa winning, having the most delegates, and then came out of New Hampshire still having the most delegates. And it didn't do anything for him in terms of Nevada because mm-hmm. they were basically, you know, he didn't win either of those states. And the symbolic victory was with Bernie Sanders. Um, And so what you have now is, you know, even though most of the delegates haven't been decided, like you said, the South Carolina polls showed Biden winning, but he still, no poll had him winning by even close to the margin that he did. Everybody knew he was going to win South Carolina, but they didn't know he was going to win about 50%. Mm -hmm. And it basically signaled to every Democratic establishment voter and elected official, this is the guy we need to put our chips behind. And if that hadn't happened, I think Bloomberg would have had a real shot. Um, but now you just come to a point where everybody is saying that it's just going to be Biden. You know, for better or worse, it's going to be Biden. Um, Bloomberg just is not what we need. And honestly, if you're concerned about Biden's faults in terms of gaffes and in terms <laughs> of his record and in terms of, you know, his billionaire donors or his corporate, you know, his his sort of kindness to, to corporate America – Bloomberg is just that on steroids. So any left-wing qualms with with Biden would just be tenfold for for Bloomberg. And conservative qualms. I will say uh, the the most calm political debate I've had with my father in recent days was over our shared despising of Bloomberg. He really um, is. My dad un- is a hyper Republican. He really is uniquely unpopular among just about every segment of the American electorate. Um, He's easy to hate, um, and it's also concerning. You know concerning uh, Biden crushing South Carolina. Um, I think you're right on target there, Drew. And I think it's particularly bad for Bloomberg because the entire premise of his candidacy was that Biden was too weak to win the nomination. So it's just wholeheartedly the worst possible case scenario for him. I don't know uh, what he could be expecting from this or what would be the best case scenario from him uh, today. I do want to add one more thing about Bloomberg, which Mm -hmm. is that I always had this theory that Bloomberg could actually do incredibly well Mm -hmm. because of the money, but not for the reason that people think. A lot of people with a basic understanding of elections say money has diminishing returns. And that's always been proven true in presidential elections because they're matters of 100 percent name ID. Everybody knows the candidates. Mm -hmm. Advertising isn't playing a huge role. Mm -hmm. Advertising did get Bloomberg to a place where he was at like 10 to 12 percent or even like 15 to 17 percent sort of support. But but the problem for a guy who's such a rich businessman, the eighth richest man in the world, he's known for his data and sort of his micro targeting. He really 
did not use his money well. I mean, there's all these stories about him paying staff ridiculous salaries, um, <laughs> screwing over local candidates because he's poaching staff with his just very lucrative offers, mm-hmm. stacks of iPhones and sushi dinners every night at his headquarters. <laughs> and then he spent a really large amount of his money on these media buys. Whereas in reality, he could have accomplished so much more if he had micro-targeted the base of voters that was most supportive to him and just had these ma- – I mean he's got $64 billion, the most that's ever been spent on a presidential campaign in both parties is a billion. He could mm-hmm. have just thrown so much money into just busing those voters out to the polls, getting them registered, <laughs> canvassing at their houses, and busing them to the polls. And that's it. That's called astroturfing, and that's how you win an election. And it, it behooves me that Bloomberg didn't think to do that. <laughs> everybody said he's buying this election, and in reality, he's not. He's, mm. he's completely bungling everything when he could just do things differently and actually buy this election. And we can debate the morality of that, and I think we should. And I personally don't think that's a good thing at all. But the point is, if I was Mike Bloomberg and I really wanted to buy this election, I would have done things very differently. <laughs> Playing devil's advocate in the most literal sense. Yeah, no, he, he bought himself meme-worthy status for the foreseeable yeah, future. Exactly. I think that concludes our segment. Thank you guys so much for chatting with us today. Um, it's great being here. Yeah. Um, Frankie, you were going to mention that we should all go out and vote in the New York. The New um, York primaries, which I believe are on April 28th, yes. which yes. will be after all of this kind of shakes yeah. out, probably. Mm-hmm. I um, suspect it'll still be a pretty heated Bernie Biden race, just like 2016, mm-hmm. which is honestly fun for us because we all get to vote in a competitive primary. Mm-hmm. So... Our vote matters. Definitely get out there for that. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. And that's all that we have for today. Be sure to tune in live to the More Than Miscellaneous talk show airing every Tuesday at 2.30 on WVKR 91.3 FM Poughkeepsie. 